Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby from Oregon. Bonnie from Oklahoma will be back in the next couple weeks. All right, uh, we're taping this on Thursday, October 11th. I want to recap what has been happening down in the Florida Panhandle uh, and the Southern Gulf Coast. Uh, Hurricane Michael came ashore yesterday as a Category 4, so we're going to dive into that. We're going to talk about the destruction uh, that happened along the Gulf Coast, especially in places like Mexico Beach, where if you've seen uh, any photos or videos, a lot of people say the town is unrecognizable. Um, hundreds of houses have been swept off their, uh, their foundation. Uh, houses are lined in the middle of the street. Boats are in places they shouldn't be. Uh, Mexico Beach really took the brunt of the white, uh, right front quadrant uh, as this Category 4 storm came ashore. So let's, uh, let's talk about Hurricane Michael. Uh, as I said, it came ashore yesterday right about this time. Uh, as a Category 4, had winds of 115 miles an hour, uh, which puts it at the very top of the Saffir-Simpson scale in the Category 4 range. Uh, two more mile an hour, it would have been a very low-end Category 5. There is still a chance that the National Hurricane Center, when it goes back and looks at all the data they have, that they do upgrade to a Category 5, but for now, Hurricane Michael was a Category 4 when it came ashore. Had a central pressure of 919 millibars. Uh, I believe that places it now the third strongest hurricane to make landfall in terms of central pressure. And I believe the 155 mile an hour winds, it is now the fourth strongest storm in terms of wind speed. Uh, The highest gust that I saw so far was from Tyndall Air Force Base with 129 miles an hour. Tyndall Air Force Base did not take a direct hit, but they were in the eye wall. Um, on the northwest quadrant for quite a while. They were in the eye, um, if I recall correctly, looking at satellite and radar data. But it it was definitely a strong storm. Um, Anytime you have winds, obviously, of 155 miles an hour, you're talking about strength of Hurricane Andrew. And we know the devastation that did in in Miami-Dade County, uh, especially with all the mobile homes blown off their foundations, toppled, ripped apart. Uh, A lot of homes uh, basically were destroyed. Uh, and 155 mile an hour winds will do that. That's a very strong, uh, you know, EF3 tornado, I believe, and you're in that for several hours. So it's not just a quick hit, a, a quick gust, and it's over. It's constant wind, um, 155 mile an hour sustained with gusts at the surface much higher. Um, sustained winds lower than that, but at the surface, but still enough to do significant damage. Um, let's talk about the history and the timeline of this because a lot of people have asked me, Why did this seem like it came out of nowhere? Well, in reality, it was a five-day storm. And, of course, today is day six. Tomorrow will be seven. But Saturday at 4 p.m. Central Daylight Time, we were talking about the first time of potential tropical cyclone 14. The advisory came out uh, for the National Hurricane Center saying that uh, Cuba and Mexico had issued warnings for the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico and that the Cuban government had issued watches and warnings for the island of Cuba. And again, tropical, it was potential tropical cyclone number 14. Let's go to Sunday, 4 a.m. Central Daylight Time. We now have designated Tropical Depression 14. So the National Hurricane Center has designated this as an actual tropical cyclone uh, at number 14. 
just at 11.55, which is a little, it's a strange time to be issuing an advisory or anything like that, but at 11.55 Central Daylight Time Sunday morning, the National Hurricane Center in Miami upgrades Tropical Depression 14 to Tropical Storm Michael. Based on satellite wind data, it indicates that the storm has strengthened. They have dispatched the hurricane hunters to go out and investigate, and at 11.55 that morning, they were in route to look at now Tropical Storm Michael. 24 hours later, just under 24 hours later, 7 or 11 a.m. Eastern, Michael is upgraded to a hurricane, so winds are now above 74 miles an hour. Um, and it is in the Gulf of Mexico, so it's relatively close. The hurricane hunters are now going to be flying constant missions. NOAA has their hurricane hunters, and they're flying multiple missions a day to gather as much data at this point. Uh, through Monday and Tuesday, Michael sat out in the Gulf. We were getting a better idea of the storm was going to be coming ashore we knew that the florida panhandle was the target within the forecast cone uh, and i gotta say most of the forecast models did really well with this in terms of track the euro and the gfs were pretty close um, we knew it would be somewhere in the florida panhandle so we had uh, a pretty good idea of where we thought the storm would go and we knew that once it made land uh made once it came ashore it would be a quick mover and would skirt out through georgia um into the Carolinas and up the east seaboard and then out to the coast, which it's currently doing now. It's moving through Georgia as it's now getting into North Carolina, uh, parts of Virginia, South Carolina as well is dealing with um, the remnants effects here now 24 hours after landfall. But so we knew that on Monday it had been upgraded to a hurricane. Wednesday afternoon, 1 p.m. Central Daylight Time. Yesterday, as it came ashore, we know that Michael came ashore as a Category 4 with, like I said, a winds of 155 miles an hour and a central pressure of 919 millibars. Um, if you watch the Weather Channel or followed in the hurricane tracks, when we go back and look at Monday and Tuesday, we knew the storm would be strengthening, and some forecasts had it coming ashore as a Category 3. And when we started to get see the strengthening happen, we were like, man, you know, Category 3 looks very, very possible. Um, and if it continues to strengthen, which some of the forecasts had called for, a Category 4 was not necessarily out of the question. But I want to break down this time of Tuesday night into Wednesday morning when we really saw the hurricane ramp up its strength. Um, the Weather Channel at this point had been live in wall-to-wall -wall coverage um, for a couple hours. Uh, Nick Walker was the overnight doing the storm specialist, and I believe Ray Stagich was there as well. And they were looking at the eye wall, and we had satellite data and radar at this point. And we were marveling at the amount of lightning activity around the eye wall and in the eye wall. And that obviously indicates active thunderstorms and a storm that was strengthening. So you're looking at constant amounts of lightning for several hours. It died off a little bit and then it ramped up again. And when you look at the timelines, when you go through the extensive strengthening of Hurricane Michael that just came ashore yesterday, 10 p.m. Central Daylight Time, Tuesday night. It was already a Category 3 with winds of 125 miles an hour, central pressure at 947 millibars. Three hours later, it had been upgraded to a Category 4, winds at 130, and the central pressure now down to 945 millibars. Three hours later at 4 a.m., winds were ramping up again to 135 miles an hour, central pressure continued to drop, we were at 943. Just an hour later, winds were up 5 miles an hour to 114, 140 miles an hour. Central pressure dropped 6 millibars to 937. 7 a.m., 145 miles an hour. Central pressure was 933. So as we're getting now, you know, 7 a.m., the sun is up. 
Folks are starting to feel the bands have been coming in for a couple hours. It's really getting close to landfall. So 9 a.m., two hours later, winds still at 145 miles an hour, but the central pressure had dropped to 931 millibars. 10 a.m., winds were at 145, and the pressure had dropped now down to 928. So just in the span of five hours, the winds were up five miles an hour, but the pressure had dropped roughly about seven or eight millibars. At 10.30, just before landfall, uh, and we saw this on satellite and radar, you could see the eye wall strengthening, the storm was getting stronger. 10.30 a.m., they put out an advisory. Winds were now up to 150, 150, 150 miles an hour. Central pressure was down to 923 millibars, and we know when it came ashore, uh, just a couple hours later, winds had gone up to 155 miles an hour with the central pressure of 919 millibars. Doing some basic calculations in about 12-hour period, winds had gone from 125 miles an hour up to 155 miles an hour while the central pressure dropped from 947 millibars to 919. That's a 28-millibar drop. That's a, a really, really deep pressure gradient change. Um, a lot of people... Uh, up here in the Northwest, we have the term bombogenesis when we see these storms out in the Atlantic, or sorry, in the Pacific, um, around the Gulf of Alaska, where they really deepen and intensify quickly. Uh, the storm, by my calculations and my assessment, would say it underwent a bombogenesis within a 12-hour period, where it went from 947 millibars to 919. That's a 28 millibar change in a relative short amount of time. So we know the storm was really strengthening and gotten its act together, and it came ashore as a very strong Category 4 storm. Um, you know, like I said, we have to go back and wait for the National Weather Service or National Hurricane Center to do their initial or their storm review, which they will do, and they'll look at all the data, and they could upgrade it to a Category 5. But, man, when you look at the damage, especially in Mexico Beach, where houses were blown off their foundation. Um, they're saying now a forecast storm surge could have been on the low end, and they actually probably had storm surge somewhere around 13, 14, or 15 feet high. So water lifted houses off and pushed them into, into the city um, or off of the beachfront and then moved them you know, further on shore. Uh, houses lost their roofs. Buildings lost their roofs. Houses have collapsed. Buildings have collapsed. There are boats that were in the harbor that are now four or five blocks into the city, some further, uh, some just sitting randomly as the water receded in a parking lot. So the damage that this storm did, in my mind, I'm brought back to visuals of Hurricane Andrew, Hurricane Katrina, you know, storms where the amount of damage was just devastating. Katrina, you had with storm surge and flooding. Andrew was more straight line winds and some storm surge, but... When you look at the damage, especially around Mexico Beach, and you move into places like Panama Beach and Panama City Beach and out toward Tyndall Air Force Base, um, places like Apalachicola where you saw storm surge come in, it really does put a visual with the things that forecasters and meteorologists and emergency managers say where water is usually the most dangerous impact of these hurricanes because water will literally lift your house off its foundation. It will lift your car or your boat, and it will push it into places with the path of least resistance. So you see the video now. Uh, the Storm Chasers have done a really good job documenting this. Um, I want to see Severe Studios and Storm Studios have sent out the videos, and the Weather Channel has it, and CNN and Fox, and your networks have the, the footage of just complete devastation up and down you know, Main Street in Mexico Beach, where it's going to take months, if not years, to rebuild.
And we see that with hurricanes. We see that with, you know, really strong tornadoes that come through. But, man, when you look at 155-mile-an-hour winds and a central pressure of 919 millibars, this storm was a record setter. Um, I fully believe that the name Michael will be retired. And uh, going forward, this will kind of be the storm, especially in the in the panhandle and in the golf that everything's kind of measured up against because this thing was a beast. Um, symmetrically, it looked very pretty. Uh, the radar pictures that I have and, you know, the radar movies that we all captured and we've shared online – um, show a very textbook a textbook hurricane. And you go back and you look at the satellite photos, you look at the radar, um, and you look at the wind speed data for the anemometers that weren't, you know, broken or ripped from their moorings or their, you know, anchor points. Man, the wind speeds were incredible. And you get a, you know, like I said, a gust at Tyndall Air Force Base of, uh, you know, like 129 miles an hour. That's just, that's just absolutely incredible. You know, that's, like you said, you know, it's a EF3 tornado in that range. And not just, you know, a quick hit. It's for hours and hours and hours. And so no wonder you have, you know, buildings that collapse. Um, if you guys didn't see it, I think you can find it online, the video from David Muir with ABC News, where they're in a hotel lobby and the carport out in front of the hotel collapses while they're live broadcasting. And just to see, you know, the wind come and it was a pretty quick gust. You know, probably four or five seconds long, and it was enough to bring down this carport. It literally pushed it, you know, off its anchor points, down on a couple cars. And at that point, you know, you really had the the feeling that okay, this this thing's for real. Um, this storm is not a baby. It's not what you know Florence did, where Florence was still very dangerous and caused a lot of issues, especially with storm surge. The wind speeds weren't there, and we know that. But it's a testament to when we tell people, you know you need to leave because it's for your safety. Things can happen. We had a report in, in this storm that we're seeing today of a young boy killed by a tree falling on top of him. You know, again, why, why was that young boy there? Had the family not evacuated or was it just one of those things where um, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time? So we'll have to go back and look at that. The storm um, is deadly. By last count, there have been six deaths attributed to Hurricane Matthew. Um, and, you know, we never want to see that, but if, if we keep the death toll relatively low for a high-end Category 4 or a very low-end Category 5, if we keep the deaths under 10, I will be amazed. And I really hope that people did heed the warning and did leave because this storm was the real deal. Um, yesterday, a friend of mine reached out to me, John Brubaker, who um, has been a guest on my other podcast, um, asked me, he goes, Bobby, this storm seemed to come out of nowhere. And he goes, and, you know, unlike the last hurricane we had in Florence, that's the case. So let's just do a quick comparison. With Hurricane Matthew, the first issued advisory came out on Saturday. The storm made landfall on Wednesday. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, roughly five days, give or take. Right. So not a whole lot of time to prepare. And especially when the fact that we knew this was going to be a storm moving into the Gulf and into the panhandle somewhere in Florida, you know, it didn't give a whole lot of time because this thing wasn't a hurricane or a tropical storm until Sunday at the earliest Sunday at 4 a.m. It was still a depression. They didn't upgrade it to a tropical storm till basically Sunday afternoon, late morning, early afternoon wasn't upgraded into a hurricane until Monday. So you basically had two days to prepare for a hurricane coming in when we knew, you know, the forecast track, not a lot of time. However, with Hurricane Florence, the first advisory came out as possible tropical cyclone six august 30th this thing didn't make landfall really until september 13th or 14th that's two whole weeks 
You had 14 days to prepare for Florence coming. And again, it was a whole lot of monitoring the forecast. You know, we knew pretty early on that this thing was going to head toward uh, the islands and then make, basically make its way uh, toward the Carolina coast at least a week out. So you had time to prepare. With Matthew, it was literally a four or five day quick hit. Okay, we need to make sure we're prepared. Not a whole lot of lead time. And especially if you're trying to board up houses, get supplies. If you're going to ride out the storm, go to the store, fill your gas tank up. You just didn't have a lot of time. With Florence, you had two weeks. So this quick hitting storm um, has now, it's come, it's, da- it's done its damage. It's making its way through the south. By this time tomorrow, it will be almost out to shore. Um, we've seen tornadoes spawned with it. We've seen a lot of flash flooding, severe thunderstorms. But man, go back and look at the pictures of Mexico Beach, Florida. Go back and look at the pictures of Apalachicola and areas in that around that part of the state because the devastation is truly amazing. To see houses ripped off their moorings, to see houses floated into downtown, to see businesses collapse and have roofs literally ripped off by the power of the wind, it is it is truly inspiring in terms of you know the power of of nature because these storms come in and when you have winds of 155 miles an hour and a central pressure of 919 millibars it's nothing to laugh at because this is it's the real deal it's really what a a true serious hurricane is um and we're we're witnessing that now so again hurricane matthew is a is a record setter um it's going to most likely the name will be retired by the world meteorological organization the wmo that issues these names every spring for storms so you know i i know october storms are not necessarily unprecedented but man this thing was that strong and we'll as we go through you know the show we'll get into the details we'll look back at you know how strong the waters were with the gulf of mexico in terms of temperature um i saw somewhere that they were up uh in terms of average above where they normally were somebody said that they hadn't had an actual good cold front come in uh, through the Gulf in several weeks. So maybe that contributed to the fact that the water was ripe for massive development. So we'll wait to see the post-storm report from the National Hurricane Center, and we'll, we'll see if they do upgrade it to a Category 5 or they keep it as a Category 4 as when it came uh, ashore yesterday afternoon. But this has been your weekly weather podcast, B-Squared. I am Bobby from Morgan. Bonnie will be back in the coming weeks. Appreciate you guys listening, and we will chat with you soon.